Hey everyone, I'm Simmer, a student at Harvard University. And I'm Roger, a student at King's College London. And, and this, this is That Medic, Medic Podcast. Podcast. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to Dr. Marla Morgan, the head of market development at Levy Clinic and host of the Royal Society of Medicine Digital Health Podcast. In this podcast, we discussed how to gain experiences outside of medical school, how to build your own personal brand, and explored the transformative work of Lever Clinic in the field of pain management. So without further ado, let's have a listen to this episode. Marla, look, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I really do appreciate it. Uh, so Marla, of course, you know, I've been scrolling through your LinkedIn and I found, you know, you've done so many different things. You know, you've worked at Uber, you've worked at the, the European Space Agency, uh, you're Forbes 30 under 30. Uh, so I guess my real question is, you know, what, what sort of drives you? you know, why are you doing all these exciting things? There, that's such an interesting question. And thank you so much for having me on, honestly. Um, the question that you asked is probably different if you asked me a year ago or a year before that or a year before that, and it changes. And I think that... The thing that has kept me going every time is working out and grounding myself every few months and saying, am I still driven by what I'm doing? What excites me? What do I want to learn? Am I at my comfort zone? And then pushing myself to go and do that. So I suppose that's kind of the commonality there, but there's been different things along the path that has driven me. I'm guessing this sort of, these sort of things you, you, you did at quite a young age. So how come, I suppose, at, at that's such a young age, I suppose, I think sort of starting medical school, um, you already had those sort of ideas in mind. You know, where did that sort of come from, I suppose? It's, again, a really interesting question is that I knew I needed to have money to go to university. Mm-hmm. I needed yeah. a job. And I and I had cheated. I'd worked at my mom's hair salon. I'd done all these, mm-hmm. like, babysitting gigs and stuff. And, and I just wanted to see what it'd be like to work in a workplace. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, an 18-year-old, it's extremely difficult with no uni experience to get a job in a big corporate I mean, who'd have thought, right? And so I went on to work in startups.com. And by the way, I, I'm not tied to them. I'm not getting any money for promoting them or anything. That's the website I went on to. And I, um, and I found... <laughs> And I, and I found some internship opportunities that would take mm-hmm. someone that was young and just motivated. And I think we were speaking before offline as well about how it's really what the person can bring. It doesn't really matter um, mm-hmm. their age or where they come from. If they're driven and hardworking, then it's fine. And so that's when I kind of got the bug for startups because they would take me. <laughs> so what sort of skills did you develop in these startup experiences? You know, was there a stage where you're like, look, this is just awesome. I need to do more of this stuff. Um, and, and I'm guessing you would come back from these, these, these days, internships, whatever, and tell your friends about them. You know, what was their sort of reaction? You know, what sort of things were going through your mind at that sort of stage in your life? Well, my friends thought I was crazy because they were all off traveling every summer and I wasn't. Um, but um, the things that, okay, so we were told on the last day of med school, of medical school, right, that you have spent the last six years just acclimatizing to a new environment. You've become familiar and accustomed to um, asking people intimate questions, to ward rounds, to writing in the notes, like you've learned a new way of life. And 
one of the biggest takeaways that I took from doing internships at small companies where people had been ex-corporates and had built their own companies from scratch or they'd come from medicine and they had built their companies is that you see what and you and you live in what a workplace environment is and you learn what the culture of a nine till five job is and for me that was really important because I was getting my schooling of what a doctor's life would be and in order to make a really um a really crucial decision as to what career I wanted to take I needed to see what that life would be like if I wasn't living the doctor route but instead was living um the business side route and if I liked it and if I enjoyed being in the environment so that was the biggest takeaway I got from it that's fantastic it's interesting because I was actually I was listening to another podcast the other day and um I think it was Dr Rupia Judah from Doctor's Kitchen uh, he's speaking to I think a neurosurgeon and the neurosurgeon was saying, you know, we need all medical students to spend, you know, a bit of time, say, working at Chipotle, you know, behind a till, speaking to customers, communicating, building the confidence. You know, do you think it's essential now that, that medical students get these opportunities? That's something I'm sort of looking at. But is it essential to develop these skills, getting you might be getting from the wards, you know, from second and third year placement? The, the thing for me was that you start learning exactly what you're saying about just interacting with people, you start learning about like negotiation skills, about people management, about forming relationships, about the importance of kindness and working together because everything you do at med school is pretty fleeting. So you do a few weeks here, a few weeks there, you interact with a nurse once and then the physio like maybe for like 10 minutes, right? You don't build that relationship and that trust. And when you start working as a doctor or, or anything, when you start any job, no matter what job you're in, if you're kind, and you show kindness in the workplace, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have about something, you'll form that team around you that will support you to achieve whatever you're trying to achieve at work. I'm not going to claim that I was the smartest med student or smartest doctor by a mile. But what I will claim is that I enabled myself to, to be able to do well because I knew those skills were really important otherwise. So yes, you can be really confident clinically and you can go in and you can treat a patient, but do you want to be known to know how to treat a patient or do you want to be known as the doctor that changed someone's life because they sat and listened to them? Do you want to be the nurses speak about you behind mm. your back and, and they say that was a really kind doctor? You know, they sat with us, chat with us, normal, nice person, didn't talk to us like an idiot or anything, you know, like, and, and that's the type of thing you have to make the decision of yourself. And if you want to be that second one, if you want to be the person that's, that's kind and nice and looks after people and is caring, then sometimes you're not going to get those skills from med school because it's not the environment where it's, it's growing that type of skill set it's growing the knowledge base right yeah. i think it's interesting as well point you picked up on you know um it's a lot of it's about relationships you know you, you mentioned a really, really really interesting point and a lot of it you know when you when you when you i don't know if you're still a medical student but i'm guessing when you, when you graduate a lot of the work you'll be doing with part of a team and that's a great thing anyway from my sort of experience in a startup you know i was putting the team to work with i had to build these relationships with them uh, and 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 get that sort of experience, and that's something you probably don't get, um, especially in placement, because you see them for a day. So, um, listen, do you think that's something that we need to be 
encouraging now, just more relationship management sort of things. Um, that's sort of- everything. If if you predicted where healthcare will be when we are in our forties, fifties, right? We're at the prime of our careers. What will medicine and healthcare look like, mm. right? And I don't need you to answer that. I want you to just think about it because what are the skills that you need to be in that type of environment, right? You're going to need to understand digital transformation and innovation. You're going to need to understand how different systems work together. You're, we're going to have an import, like an increased reliance on technology. And so we're going to be the ones that are going to be communicating that bridge to patients, right? Do you have the skill set to be able to do that? We're going to have an important and, and, a, and a bigger reliance on on being ethically and sustainably doing healthcare, making sure everything from the little pots we give medicines in to patients aren't made of plastic, all the way through to making sure that we take time and do voluntary work in in developing countries, right? Like there is so much that's going to happen. And it's ultimately, and, and sorry, and the last one is the importance of your brand because you Google your doctors now. You Google your doctors. And so what do you want patients to be Googling? And I'm telling you this, the consultants that are going to be in 20, 30 years time, the ones that are doing the best are the ones that right now, right now as med students are creating and as and as young doctors are creating their own personal brands around around their uh, specialty. They're the ones that are sitting there being like, I am the plastic surgeon doctor and here are all of my papers. Here's my profile. Here's what I do. And they're growing their following. And by the time they're a consultant, they're going to have like 10,000 followers. You Google them as a patient. You're going to want to go to them compared to if you Google the doctor and they had no Twitter account, would you trust them? We're seeing a huge change right now from boomers and Gen X to millennials, late, like uh, like like the younger millennials and Gen Zs who are you no longer having work home separation. They're no longer being this is me at work, this is me at home, and I'm two different people. Here is my LinkedIn profile, and it's got nothing to do with who I am as a person. Now you are experiencing a merger of everything because you have one unique identity that you have online and you want it to be your authentic self that you bring from from your actual real life interactions right and so because of that if you follow any gen z influencers from the business world on twitter or on linkedin or anything there's a group called gen z vcs for example which i follow um they will um be their authentic selves in every aspect of their lives. They'll bring into their business modality who they are. And so because of that, you've got um, boomers and Gen X who are not used to this type of thing, not knowing how to bring their authentic selves to the workplace, not knowing how to show their authenticity, right? Mm. And so that that's like a huge job. And they're trying to tell younger people, oh, don't do this online. Don't do that online mm. because they didn't really understand it. And, and actually... Gen Xers used to lose their jobs because of what they put online. Whereas now we're hiring Gen Zs because of their Instagrams and because of their Twitters, right? It's a complete switch. So in order to do this, there's two things you need to think about, right? One is if you were sitting, you know, and and hearing someone talk about you, what would you want them to say? And you need to control that narrative because otherwise someone else will put that narrative onto you. And the second one is, is that 
you don't need external accreditation to say who you want to be. You just say who you want to be, you know? You don't think Jeff Bezos sat around and waited for someone to be like, this guy's going to be a billionaire before he went out and like just build it. You don't need permission. You just Mm. need to get started. And so I always say when people are like, oh, I don't know what I would put. I said, just say what you want to say. Who do you want to be? And then say it. And then you'll be it because you'll work damn hard to get to that place. That's fantastic. And I actually think before the course, you just been discussing uh, your TED talk. And that's that, that title, I think it's probably the most important things, but and it's, it's, it's probably the most difficult thing as well uh, at, at this stage. You know, how do you remain authentic? And then of course, I definitely recommend you people listening to, to have a watch of, you know, how, how you went about doing it. And it's really lovely how you sort of very clearly broke down the really important aspects of your life. Uh, and 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 just I think you just gave them ratings. You were like, you know, this is three out of ten. This is whatever nine out of ten. And I think, you know, of course, there's no you know right way to go around about it. But but just breaking it down to simple elements, I think has is will really just give individuals, I think like myself, a bit of direction, um, especially these sort of early stages. You know, when we're so young. Fantastic. Oh, so thank you-, you for watching it. <laughs> But this is the thing, right, that we have a lot of anxiety and stress that we put on ourselves because we want ourselves to know that we've got it all figured out. Now, you've interviewed incredible people. They don't have it figured out. No one has it figured out. It's an illusion that you have it figured out. But one thing I know for sure is that why would we seek stability in a world where we could make who we want to be? Like I was watching, you know, on Disney Plus right now, they've got this new show where they show behind the scenes of people that work at Disney. And I was watching that and I was like, oh, what a really cool job to be able to work in Disneyland and create these incredible characters or like to be the ones designing Pixar or like animations or anything. And then I saw like someone else on my LinkedIn who is in charge of meeting and greeting celebrities when they come into the in, into London and looks after them was <laughs> they here and I'm sitting there like these are such cool jobs but yeah. here's the thing is that all of them are open to everyone like none of them are closed off and we you know we're young still we can do anything we want to do and sometimes especially med students feel like that's it it's done the decision's made I'm here I'm stuck like imagine like we have worked so hard to get to where we've got and then people feel stuck we didn't come this far to feel stuck we came this far and and to give ourselves options and choices And so it it pains me every time I feel like and I hear that people feel stuck and unsure and claustrophobic in the world that they've created around them. If you just stretch out and step out of that cylinder that you're in, you'll see that you can create anything you want to do. I don't know. I'm on a rant now. You have to stop me. (laughs) It's about having control, right? I think it's controlling your own destiny. But I suppose, are there certain simple, like how do you sort of take the first step? I suppose, to the game that, to that openness. The first step is anything is just doing it, right? So it's reaching out for that, building that LinkedIn profile, reaching out for that first coffee with someone you admire, having a virtual coffee or an in-person coffee and just chatting about how they got to where they are and listening. Yeah. Listening is such an underrated skill. If you listen to someone in their journey and you can learn about like how to do it, how not to do it. You can take tips, you can take learnings. Like, the best 
the best times I've learned is not by going to these webinars and conferences mm-hmm. is by making the effort to reach out to people and just listening to their stories and learning. And again, your podcast has been fantastic on this is that like you can be a fly on the wall into these conversations. And so sometimes again, like listening to podcasts is actually one of the best things you can do because you get to listen to an intimate conversation because you don't get that on webinars and things. You don't get into the, the depths of the conversation because it is kind of very corporate and online I mean we can have another chat one day about what the future of conferences and webinars is going to be you haven't just listened you've actually applied yourself and I think I think as you've sort of got on to apply yourself and done these, these internships and experiences you know you've got to you sort of kept and building building up and of course now you found yourself in this this role where you clearly are very comfortable very happy really enjoying it um, and I just wondering if we could talk a bit about uh, this role in particular. So obviously you're, you're working at a company called Lever Clinic, which is the UK's first online uh, pain management clinic you know, in the UK. Um, I'm just wondering if you could talk a bit about what your role is and, and how sort of Lever Clinic is transforming um, the management um, of pain for these patients. Oh, Lever Clinic is amazing. I'm so grateful every day I work here. Honestly, it's... <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. I mean, for for so long, I wanted to find something that kind of stretched both aspects of what I'm really interested in, which is kind of innovation and social inequity, right? And so combining those together is pain, right? Because pain is a <laughs> is a condition that people face when they're not wealthy, right? People get pain for a variety of reasons and it's so multidimensional and complex and and it really requires kind of scooping out the ground and, and working out a new plan from ground up, right? And so my role there has been more about, well, in a startup, you do everything, right? From like <laughs> branding all the way through to doing a website to content creation to hiring to partnerships and growth like there's everything but what I have really enjoyed again is just like speaking with people and patients and growing this I mean the way that the clinic works is that as you said with the first online clinic patients come in they get an eligibility call from a nurse when I say come in they have a phone call um, or an online consultation right and and if they're eligible they get 60 minutes where they sit with a team that is their team clinical psychologist nurse who's a prescriber and a physiotherapist imagine these patients that have been thrown from pillar to post who suddenly get to sit down for 60 minutes and just be listened to and heard and their story told and then a care plan created for them personalized and it might be a bit more physiotherapy it might be a bit more cbt at base it might be a bit more medication reduction opioids etc that gets created and then it's really supported by our digital tools as well so we've digitalized pain education by creating a pain education app which is our pain management app and all of these things is just it's just kind of trying to look at it from a 360 approach and and it's all overseen by clinicians and consultants and I'm just so excited by it and I think that we have so much to do, but the first step is just doing it. And so when we launch the kind of, it's like, do it, let's get this accessible, let's get this nationwide. And then we can try and support pain services across the country to, to really be able to offer pain services, right? 
what was like what was the barrier? What was sort of wrong with paying services at, at that time when leaving came, came through? How did they sort of change the game? So you have this big problem where you've got you know a huge huge number. Like I think it, the last numbers are either one in five or one in three or, or you know it, these numbers are huge. Whatever they are in the UK of people living with pain that is um, lasting more than three months, and every single one of us knows someone, whether it's our mum, dad, brother, sister, uncle, aunt that has pain. But yeah, we're not talking about it in med school, which is crazy. Like it's one of the most common things that you'll see people come in about is chronic pain. They have chronic back pain. And what do we do? We just send them home. And so that was the biggest problem is that no one knew what to do with them. So people are just sent around. They're sent to a rheumatologist, an orthopedic surgeon. They're sent to a psychologist, the pain team. Like, but like, And there's only a handful of specialist pain centers in the country anyway. So we had to try and understand what is best practice for pain, which, by the way, is really poorly understood. It's not tracked well. Uh, There's not enough research into it. We then hired the best in class clinical team, ranging from, you know, the president of British Pain Society all the way through to the Oxford researchers of uh, of um, of pain management to uh, the the chair of the uh, Physiotherapy Pain Association. And we got them all together. We call them the Lever Clinic Avengers which I think is really funny. And we get them together and we just said to them, like, what is best practice? Let's brainstorm, let's try, let's recreate, let's make something that we can do accessibly online. And for a patient population that can't afford, you know, because it is a private clinic, can't afford private clinic normally. So how can we do this? And so that was the biggest thing. And, and we're still in the learning phase, you know, we're still outcome tracking, we're still outcome generating, we're still watching how our patients improve and tweaking our service and constantly improving it. And to be honest, I think we always will be because it's such an under like misunderstood concept. I mean, sorry, but I, I could talk about this all day, but like one of the most interesting things about pain, and we talk about it quite a lot is if you think of like you as uh, in your life, you are the driver of your own bus. So we call this metaphor, uh, the metaphor, the passengers on the bus, right? And then when you get, when you're like driving down your normal road and you've got passengers on the bus, there'll be like, you know, happy memories and they're all sitting there, but then you'll get an event or a life event and you'll start having chronic pain and chronic pain gets onto the bus, but it doesn't just come on, right? This unruly passenger doesn't just come on alone. It brings with it a ton of unhelpful and unruly passengers. You've got the passenger that is a memory of when you were told it's all in your head, when your family don't understand your pain, when your workplace say that they can't help you because you're in pain. And so, you know, the choice is really you have to give up work. You know, the passengers that are coming on is the passenger that's telling you if you move, you're going to be in so much pain. And then you've got all of these different things just telling you to just curl up into a ball. So you're trying to drive down this bus and you've got these unruly passengers who are drowning out the things that you value in your life. And so you're just trying to control these passengers so you can't focus on anything that for you is important for you, right? Those great things that you enjoy doing. And so what we try and help people do is, is not 
say we're going to cure pain, but let's quieten down those unruly passengers. Let's understand these passengers a bit better, these memories, these thoughts, these feelings. And let's bring to the front of the bus those kind passengers, the things that you really enjoy. And let's get you back to stuff that's meaningful in your life because you can have sex, intimacy, relationships, work, everything with pain. But it's just about doing things differently because life, when you're a bus driver, is already going to throw at you bus stops. And yeah. Sorry, not bus stops, like, you know, like red lights and traffic and all yeah. of these things. And so, yeah, it's all about just kind of changing our approach to pain. That's so insightful, honestly. Like, I I didn't realise that there are just so many different types of pain when you think about it, you know? And a lot of it's sort of psychological, right? You know, there, there's... I think I think what Leaving Clinic is doing fantastic because it doesn't just think about the sort of physical bits there. There's the mental side of things as well. Every aspect. single pain has every single person with chronic pain has a psychological element to it. Is like there's no way around it. You have got I mean every condition has a psychological element, right? You know, at medical school, we're very much educating the train to to think about pain in terms of medication. Um, and think about what's, what medication we should be using because that's what we, we need to understand to pass these, you know, these, these MCQs, et cetera. Um, but what Levy Clinic's doing is, is fascinating because it's, it's, as you mentioned, it's changed that narrative. You know, let's talk about medication. Let's talk about taking a holistic approach to things. And I think that's what's really unique. And that's, I think pushing that narrative is, is something which is, uh, it's just so essential, so important. And I didn't, I'm guessing the patients yeah. have sort of felt a difference as well as a result of it. And have a have a think about sorry, have it have a think about pain right now, right? Is that um if you're trying to think about behavioral change, and I know you're very interested in behavioral change, right? Is that you can now embed behavioral change at home before you would get people into the hospital, you tell them all about like changing their diet and being healthy and blah blah blah, and then they go home and make no changes. Whereas now let's say my goal is to go gardening. Mm. I will literally take this camera. I'd walk down the stairs. I would show my physiotherapist or my nurse, like how I want to garden and literally show them the steps I need to walk down, how I would need to bend down. And you can make adjustments to real life. You know, you can have a call where you're going for a walk and you can take your physiotherapist with you. Like all of these things are happening because we can now do remote, which means that we can embed behavioral change in the lives of people. So, Marla, look, it's 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 been a real pleasure having the show today. Uh, I would have quickly actually ask a question in terms of like your vision for Lean Clinic in the, over the next five ten years, the way you want it to be. What sort of things do you you want to say to the company, but also from maybe from the NHS perspective? You know, what sort of things do you think um, we could be doing more of? Um, to ensure that this becomes front and centre of space? I love that question. This is one word, it's just collaboration. Like, that's it. Like, healthcare in the UK and globally is only going to improve and we're only going to be able to get better outcomes for people, better social equity, better care for people that are, uh, you know, the... The hard to reach areas of society if we collaborate together and if we keep doing silos of innovation and we keep doing silos of small projects it's just not going to be sustainable so really especially with pain because it is so multi-dimensional we just need to be working together on it so yeah I yeah I think you have the same type of thoughts about the future of stuff as working together and just being kind to each other and I just genuinely think that that is it like if we can do that then we can solve any problems but we just need to work together on it fantastic 
collaboration, it's it's so essential. Hopefully, I don't know, we'll talk about integrated care systems now. Hopefully, we'll get a bit more of that sort of collaboration and more of those those sort of um, you know relationships building. Wonderful. Uh, last week, thing we always of course ask on our, on our show is um, we just want to mother whether you sort of mother whether you had you know three sort of um, pieces of advice um, that you would have given to your sort of younger medic self for the students that are listening. Three, three pieces of advice. Um, third, but uh, if you get one or two, that that'll be that'll be wonderful. Sort of to sort of round things off. Okay, my three pieces of advice would be one to myself, right? So my three pieces of advice to my to my younger self. Okay, number one would be stop worrying <laughs> about making decisions which you don't have the options in front of you from right now. You don't need to have the answers to decisions that don't need to be made right now, right? Just chill out. My second piece of advice would be, it's hard, like it's, uh, my second my second piece of advice would probably be get more financially savvy um, and understand your personal finances because if you can do that, then you can understand your worth and you can understand how you can build business and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then... My third piece of advice to my younger self. It depends how young I'm going. Um, if I if to, to, to like come into to medical school, back into that year, young young mother. Oh my god, it'd be like <laughs> something ridiculous. Um, to younger Marla, who's just starting medical school, I would say it's going to be okay and to just just keep smiling and to not to not be too worried about stuff it will it will it will ultimately always be okay hey guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast i hope you all enjoyed it if you did i'd really appreciate if you give us a rating on apple Podcasts. and you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter with all the links in the description below until next time thank you so much for listening and take care